Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston answers some of your most pressing questions. Let's hear what he has to say. We're going to be talking about four questions today. I want to give them to you real quick. So if they don't pertain to you, you can turn it, turn this thing off and go on to, to another program. But the first question is going to be this. Uh, you know, somebody said, Mark, advice for the 16-year-old boy in porn. Do you take their phone away, remove data, uh, have restrictions, poke their eyes out? Now, I, I, I added that to it. But anyway, it's just a question about a 16-year-old boy in porn. Another question that somebody asked was, my daughter has been diagnosed with major depression, anxiety, and dysregulated mood disorder. She has trauma from my divorce. I'm at a loss. I cry almost every day. Please help. Another question uh, that applies to many, many kids that, that deal with other kids at school, if the kids are not nice, how can we change them? And then the fourth question we're going to talk about is we try to offer lots of fun activities and options to try to build relationship with our son, but he refuses to do them. All he wants to do is play video games. Okay, I'm sure that that these kind of fit um, a little bit of everybody out there. And so we'll tackle these things and, and hopefully give you some good answers here. The first thing is advice for a 16-year-old boy in porn. Um, do you take away their phone, remove the data, and have restrictions? And here's the first thing that, that that we do, is that immediately when we see something wrong, we get this idea that we've got to change their behavior, and so we're going to take control back, and we're going to start controlling their behavior. We're not going to let them um, do it anymore. Well, all we're doing is postponing the inevitable if that's the only thing that we do. And I think one of those things that uh, that that is easy is, say, take the phone away. Then we don't have a problem. You know, you still have a problem. They just don't have a means by which to fulfill the issue of what they're looking for. And so the second part of this is the tendency when we talk to our kids, um, in particular our sons, about pornography, the first place we go is um, Scripture. And I've shared many times that my concern for kids today is they're viewing Scripture as just another piece of information. Um, there's a part of it where we start sharing information. You know, you look at porn, and uh, and it's going to ruin your marriage. It's going to do this to you. It's going to get you thinking different things. It's going to carry you to sin. It, it, it That's just information. What I've got to be doing, especially as a dad or a granddad sharing with a young man, I've got to be sharing wisdom, and and wisdom is what I have gathered through observation, what I've thought about, and what I've experienced. Now, let me address it this way. Pornography is every man's battle. Uh, there is something about visual stimulation. Uh, that's why it's always young men that that have problems with video games, because they're visually stimulating and... and um, and so men get caught in that. It's it's always has been a problem. It always will be a problem. 
And and so the first thing is it's is just saying that men can deal with boys differently than women can because they see it as different. And that doesn't give license to anything, nor does it give permission to say it's okay. I mean, there's 4.3 million porn sites in this world, and I never knew there were that many naked women in the world, but but it, there's something about that lure to go back that it takes another man to say, hey, I need to tell you something. And it's probably because they've experienced it or they've observed something and they've spent a lot of time thinking about it. There's a psalm I recall that uh, is from Psalm 119.37 that says this, that turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. I know this to be true. Um, it's going to be hard to convince a, a, a child that you shouldn't like looking at porn, especially your son. It's always going to be there. And so they're going to have to learn a sense of discipline to just stay away from it because it doesn't end up anywhere good. You know, the younger a child is, I think what you do is take a an app like Covenant Eyes and put it on their phone, and every time they visit a porn site, it notices somebody else and just remind somebody else that this is what this phone is doing and it reminds them so you can have those discussions with your son. But it also provides a barrier or a hedge that keeps them from going there because they know they're going to be held accountable. What I do is have have discussions with kids and 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 say this, you know, I pornography has an amazing way of changing your expectations of 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 the opposite sex that you're going to be spending time with. And so it really messes with your expectations. If you think that everybody is going to be that way, look that way, and do the things they do, then you are harming your future relationships with your spouse. Um, And I would just say for that alone, stay away from it. The other thing is that it's amazing um, that it challenges your morals and violates your morals. And, it, and at some point, you, you say, you know, when a young man says, well, I think it's okay to look at porn, what if that was your sister? What if that was your daughter? Uh, because that is somebody's sister, and it is somebody's daughter. But it violates your morals. And, and every kid that I know has some set of morals. Uh, the other thing that it does is this, and, and, and you know it's wrong because you do it in secret. Um, and so it is saying that I want to hold you accountable. For a 12-year-old boy that is curious and experimenting and runs across pictures of nudity, I can see where that will happen easily, and you'll probably find your son looking at things. But that's where you strict it more with the idea by the time they get to age 18 that they're on their own because it's going to be a lifelong problem that they're going to have to deal with. And so if for a 16-year-old boy, it's saying, you know what, I'm going to hold you accountable. But when you turn 17, I'm not looking at your phone anymore, but I will ask you questions. Have you gone places that you shouldn't have been going? Have you done anything with your eyes that maybe you should have turned away? And have those discussions and, and realize it's not just a one-time discussion. It's a constant discussion as long as your son is under your roof. I hope that helps a little bit. Here's a second question. It's my daughter's been diagnosed with major depression, anxiety, and a and dysregulated mood disorder. She has trauma from my divorce. I'm at a loss. I cry almost every day. Please help. Well, this this dysregulated mood disorder, it's it's called DMDD. And and what it is is 
um, it's a series of severe outbursts and somebody's irritable and they're always overreacting and you get diagnosed um, if it's been present for over a year. Uh, these kids struggle to deal with frustration um, or they struggle to deal and adapt to change um, without losing their temper. And so when you have a child that has this major depression and anxiety, it may be because there's great changes in the child's life and they're just having a tough time. Chances are if they've been diagnosed, then what's already happened is um, hopefully your child is receiving some kind of medication and at the same time is going through uh, some counseling with somebody. And, uh, and I think it's important that you find a good counselor that deals in trauma it's hard for a mom or a dad to deal with a divorce situation and its impact on a child because they are a part of the problem as perceived by the child. And so that's where it's good to get some outside help and get somebody else to say, okay, I'm going to enter in and, and see if I can help a child walk through this and process it and let them speak out loud and where they're not emotionally attached, where they can give some good direction and some good insight to help a child get through it because they've done it with other kids before. I hope that helps. Here's a third question. If the kids are not nice, how can we change them? Okay, you know, th this is all about just respect and disrespect. And and uh, kids are disrespectful because they're angry or mad or hurt or they have experienced some kind of uh, of loss somewhere. And the, I, I think the thing that you do is you look at your child and you and and you just say, "Is my child nice?" And and if you see them not being so nice to people, then you have to determine if there's a problem. Um, and the second thing is, what you do is discuss the problem. These would be the three D's. I would call it. You determine the problem, you discuss the problem, and then you deter the problem. And you tell them that, that you don't have the opportunity to not be nice to somebody. You cannot be disrespectful of somebody else. You can be flat. You can be, you, you know, you don't have to pay attention. Uh, and you can be respectful, but you, but you cannot be disrespectful. You can ignore them and not talk to them, but you can't say mean things. And what you do is put some consequences on it that gets their attention, a child is usually disrespectful of somebody else for a reason. And so it's finding out what that reason is and then saying, we're going to deal with that and look at it differently. And, and the younger they are, the more that they need control of a mom and dad to teach them how to be nice to somebody else. Of course, the older they get, at some point, Natural consequences will happen if your child continues to be disrespectful. They're going to get beat up by somebody. They're, somebody's going to embarrass them. They're going to get fired from a job. They're going to get arrested. They're going to get thrown out of someplace. You know, there's just no room for disrespect. And so I, I would say if, if kids aren't nice, how do we change them? I think what we do is, is just kind of show them what's going on and say that we desire for something to be different. Hey, and here's the fourth question. I love it. It says, we try to offer lots of fun activity options to try to build relationships with our son, but he refuses to do any of them. All he wants to do is play video games. And I mean, he's talking about Fortnite and Halo and Doom and Destiny and Minecraft. I mean, all those things. And, and, and they get enticed 
um, they get enticed into playing these games because they are exciting and they are visually stimulating. You know, the word Atari, uh, they came out with the video game Pong, uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Atari in Japanese means you're about to be engulfed. And I think that's what's happened with these kids. And so they've been sucked in, if you will, into this entertainment world, especially now that kids are at home with COVID and, and isolating and self-protecting and distancing themselves from other people. They either watch movies or play video games. And for a young man, it's an adventure. It's a beauty to fight for. It's a, uh, you know, a battle to fight, a beauty to rescue. They get the opportunity to accomplish something, and and they get applauded for it because they get points in these games and and such. So there's something that's very appealing to young men. Okay, and my point is this: you're not going to get rid of that appeal. I mean, you're you are competing against you know industries that are billions and billions of dollars to to try to entertain your kids. But what you can do as a parent is offer some options, and this would be the first thing that I would do. I would say I'm going to go down and buy a 98-inch QLED 8K flat panel TV with the best sound system that you can get. And I'm going to put that in the house. Okay, so a lot of you dads right now are kind of salivating going, did you hear that? Mark said I get to go buy a big TV and put it in the house. But that's what I would do. And I'd hook up your child's PlayStation or, you know, Xbox or whatever it is where they get to play. And then I would tell them this, we're going to have a deal. I'll buy the TV, you know, and I'll learn to play with you. And for every two hours you spend playing video games, that's one hour you got to spend with me doing something else. Golf, tennis, um, wakeboarding, animals, get them a dog, um, do something, go shooting, um, guns, bow and arrow, um, javelin throwing, frisbee learning to play the guitar. I mean, whatever it is. The problem that that a lot of parents have is that their kids are so enticed to these video games and they love it. Parents go, I don't want you playing it. They take it away, but there's nothing else that they're offering that is as exciting. And so what I want to do is, as a parent and as a grandparent is offer something, truly offer something that that engages them with me that they don't get to do anywhere else. So let me ask you the question. Um, and I, I would say, dads, let me ask you the question. What do you do in your life that's exciting? What do you do that would entice and attract your son to spend more time with you? Because we all know that young men don't communicate eyeball to eyeball. They communicate shoulder to shoulder. So what is it that you can do? What hobby can you take up that your child would love to participate with you. And whatever that is, I would justify it any way I can, purchase what I need to do, and have a blast with my son to create an alternative for all of these video games that seem to be (laughs) attracting them and uh, uh, consuming them. Anyway, those are four questions, folks. You know, get us your questions. I'd love to answer the other ones and and, uh, any that you send in. It's always wonderful to, uh, to you know, have that practical application and, uh, and try to find a way to apply those principles that we talk about. There's a book that I wrote uh, a couple of three years ago that it's called When Your Teen is Struggling. 
And it's one of those books that deal with the the kind of the philosophy behind a lot of what we talk about. I, I've gone through and I've been looking at it, highlighting things for, you know, just, you know, our newsletter and and all those things. And, and as I've read the book, I thought, you know, this really is the core of, of why we do what we do. And so I always explain that in books and, and other programs. And then these questions give us the opportunity to say, how can we apply this to your family in a very practical way that gets results. Hey, have a great week. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us back here on Monday for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.